Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Amy Lynn Durham. Amy, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, let's let's excited let, to be here. <laughs> let's let's go. Amy is the founder of Create Magic at Work. She's an executive coach. She's an author, a speaker. Her clients call her the corporate mystic. Again, excited to have you on. Amy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so <laughs> talking about my personal life, it's so different than it used to be in the past. Uh, I'm a former corporate executive that left the corporate world um, to become an executive coach and re-inject myself back into the workplace to bring heart and human connection to the workplace. So if you would have talked to me a couple of years ago, you would have been speaking with a very different Amy than you're speaking with today. She was burnt out, tired. Um, overworked, didn't really have a personal life. <laughs> That's why I laugh when you ask me about personal life. Hmm. Uh, today is very different. I have a much more balanced life. I have healthy relationships with friends, family, as well as um, coworkers. And in the past, it was just coworkers. So I'm excited. I have a little um, Cavapoo puppy. His name is Mr. Bingley. <laughs> And he takes up a lot of my time because he's full of energy right now. That's uh, one of my tests of 2021 on being a calm and healing presence was getting Mr. Bingley. Nice. <laughs> so I don't know if that fully answered your question, but. It, yeah. it absolutely does. 100%. Mr. Bingley. I'm going to have to look up. So it, Mr. Bingley is is what kind of dog? He's a half King Charles Cavalier, half poodle. Okay. So how how big is Mr. Bingley? He's about 18 pounds. Okay. He nice. has his own uh, Instagram okay. called Mr. Bingley's World. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, well, I will follow Mr. Bingley later on on the gram here. Love it. Right? Perfect. So so what 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 was the motivator for for breaking free moving away from the corporate world as an executive and and becoming a an executive coach I think I hit that point in my life where I was seeking something more and feeling like I was doing something more aligned with a life purpose rather than hitting sales goals hmm. and um, driving initiatives in that way and what I was finding towards the end of my, you know, the last year I was at my job, I really made an effort to do these connecting activities with my employees. I wanted to prove that collaboration wins over competition and that getting each other to see the humanity in each other actually increases profitability and productivity. And that was sort of my underlying motive for the final year that I was in my job was I wanted to prove that. And I wanted to leave on top because I didn't want anyone to say, oh, you know, she couldn't handle it in this environment. But I also wanted to prove that everyone working together in this really positive way 
actually works compared to unhealthy competition and pitting people against each other. So I did all these activities that sort of skill build, skill builded, I don't know if that's the word, in EQ and SQ, emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence with my teams. And they didn't really know that that's what they were doing at the time. <laughs> they just were very touched and connected and we outperformed our peers quite a bit. And then when I left my job, I put all those activities in my book for others to grab and read and use as a jumping off point for themselves in the workplace. Nice. I think that's awesome. So what was it? Was it a light bulb that sort of went off that says, you know what, it doesn't need to be cutthroat or competitive or combative. It, it seems like we could be working together and having more fun and being more connected and still succeed. Yeah, I think it was it was a little bit of two things. It was a lot of two things. One, it was I was exploring my own spirituality and growth as an individual. And I was experiencing some really, um, I was experiencing some, some really profound breakthroughs in my life, utilizing these these deep dives into my spirituality. And then, so I just started bringing it to work in a way that was digestible for the workplace. And it then I started seeing how it freed me up as a leader to actually do my job, because all of these individuals were connecting with each other in a way that was authentic. And so if they needed help on a project, they would call each other and instead of calling me. <laughs> and so it gave me more time to actually do what I needed to do in my position. It was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and so I just, you know, I wanted to, to share these tools with, more people and kind of go out on my own and really create a space that I can utilize my creativity in a much more impactful way because I was inundated with Excel spreadsheets, profit and loss statements and all of those other things and these creative, emotional intelligence, skill building, all that stuff. It was only a portion of my time that I could dedicate to it and I wanted to dedicate myself full time to it for sure. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. So that is, you know, it strikes me that that's a real art form to be able to bring something into work in a way that's digestible. As, as you said, that's, that's not easy to do. Did you have a background in that or is just, just your, your intuition? I didn't have a background in it. It was my intuition and it was my confidence really and it was the the courage and the vulnerability i get asked that a lot you know how do leaders start how do we how do we do this in the workplace because really i think people just don't know how mm -hmm. and i always say just start with something small you know start a meeting where everyone just shares a piece of gratitude in the beginning for something in their life personal life work whatever you don't have to do a deep dive into spiritual intelligence to connect each other in the workplace. Although I, I love the deep dive as well. <laughs> but what my main focus as of late with leaders that seem to be attracted to me are, this is a really cool theme I want to share, 
are those that are creating an awareness between their ego and their higher self, that place within them that comes from wisdom and compassion and love. And they're working on really becoming aware of when their ego is running the show compared to when their higher self is running the show. And then what we do in sessions is we skill build in practicing accessing their higher self, keeping their higher self in charge, seeking guidance from their higher self, recognizing when the ego is triggered, putting proper steps into place to calm the ego, and then put the higher self back into the driver's seat. That way, especially high-level leaders, they're in charge of a lot of individuals. It can put them in the driver's seat as far as making wise and compassionate decisions, being a wise and effective change agent, and really the skills that we look to these leaders to have. What is my higher self? Your higher self is that place within you that comes from wisdom, compassion, and love. It's sometimes, sometimes you can think about when you're in flow or when you're in that calm state with your nervous system. Some people like to call it the green state where it's like, ah, you're just going through the green light. You're just flowing. You're not triggered. You feel great. You're in the zone. Nothing's triggered um, in your brain as far as fight, flight, or freeze. And you can have all of these creative possibilities and make all of these decisions from a higher place of motivation. There, there's all kinds of, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard, if you've heard, but there's so many different intelligences referenced lately. Um, I've heard quite a few. Scientists in one particular book that, I re- that I've read about spiritual intelligence from Dana Zohar. She's a philosopher and a physicist. They break it down to three, which is IQ, EQ, and SQ. And IQ is the thinking part, right? The rational part of your brain. EQ is the part where you get to feel and you get to become aware of your emotions, emotional intelligence. SQ um, could be stated as that creative space that you get to access your higher self, the the space where you're in flow. And I started thinking about it and I thought, no wonder, no wonder people feel like they can't be their authentic selves at work because most of the systems we work in create an environment that only allows for IQ. So if you, if you look at it in that three part way, we're actually leaving two parts of ourselves at home, if you will. And imagine if we created workplaces that allowed for all three of those intelligences to thrive and we start hitting on the SQ, people operating from their higher selves, uh, people hitting that creative, innovative space. Wow, what will we have in the workplace? Inspiration, innovation, creativity, problem-solving skills that we've never seen before, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like it, seems like it is something that, that 
most every organization would want, but maybe maybe that's not true. <laughs> it sounds amazing, right? And it is. <laughs> However, the tough part is moving out of that IQ system space. The pushback that I hear sometimes is, yeah, this sounds all great, but we don't have time. Mm. We have money we need to make and we have all of these tasks we need to complete and we don't have time to sit around and do this woo-woo stuff. <laughs> I just made that up, but that's I'm sure that's what people think often or what. And my answer to that would be you're actually losing quite a bit of money in your bottom line by not tapping into these other two intelligences, the EQ and the SQ. There's so much data out there that shows that a highly engaged workplace obviously improves productivity and profitability, but it comes from connecting individuals in the workplace authentically. When you do that, you'll see up to 41% lower absenteeism. You'll see when you have a highly engaged workforce, you're 21% more profitable. Uh, there, there's, I mean, I could go on and on, but I also, to, to add to your point, there was a Harvard Business Review uh, research, research article called The Loneliest Workers in America. Hmm. And it came out pre-pandemic which is super interesting to see if they redo it during pan during you know lockdown and post pandemic what it found was that people aren't feeling burnt out necessarily from workload but also from loneliness and that was a huge finding they equated feelings of loneliness and isolation to the healthcare costs of smoking 15 cigarettes a day so as a company, when you ask those questions, look at those costs. Think about your your absenteeism or think about your disengaged employee. What is that costing you? And the coolest thing about this is it's a win-win. You get to do these connecting activities. You get to know your team a lot better and it improves your productivity and profitability. Here's the kicker though. It takes courage to start and to understand why this is so important. And companies really are. I mean, they're starting to put funding into employee well-being and company culture and doing workshops and trainings that foster this type of environment. Those are the ones that are going to move forward uh, with innovation and, and be an, an inspiring place to work. Yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the reasons that you laid out for why organizations don't do it makes sense, um, but certainly short-sighted. And when you recognize that even pre-pandemic people were feeling disconnected and too few of us enjoy our work, and this strikes me as a way to help people to feel more connected and to foster a sense of community. I imagine also it's it's having the courage to get started, but then also having a framework or just how do I do this? I imagine that that is um, also a sticking point. So people need that. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's actually why I wrote my book, Create Magic at Work. It's small and it just has some connecting activities in it. I wrote it for the leader in the workplace as just, hey, I want to try this, but I don't really know where to start. Hmm. And so they can just flip open and go to an activity and try it out. And then, and then the other framework you talk about, just to sort of keep going on that is, of course, I have the SQ experience, and that's, that's a deep dive into spiritual intelligence, the 21 skills for the workplace of spiritual intelligence, and, and how can we skill build in those areas. That's the one-on-one client work I do. Nice. It strikes yeah. me that this, this must start with, with, with the leadership. It, could start from the bottom up, but it sounds like you really need to get the folks who are running the show to be on board. Yeah. And that's so important because again, back to the data, there's so much data out there that shows the way that you operate as a leader truly impacts your team, the energy, the attitude that you have. If you're in a power position, whatever energy you're holding, let's say it's anger or fear, that is multiplied by 10 to your team. The cool part about it is if you start skill building in operating from this space of accessing your inner wisdom, putting your ego aside, guess what happens? Your team starts operating from that space too by default. And so you create an environment that ripples out this higher vibe energy. And you also create an environment of trust because you know that your team is going to make better decisions and they won't need to go to you all the time to touch base. And then you move a lot faster. It makes sense. I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I could get into all the like geeky science of it, but we only have 20 minutes. <laughs> so I hope that helped. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Well, Amy, the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Okay, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave you with this because I I I told you before that I was going to say something practical, but I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the skills of spiritual intelligence is what is your uh, breadth of time perception? And what I would like to leave everyone with is can you try to operate from a space where you understand that your life is extremely important and profound and yet a tiny piece of the history of the universe. Can you live in that paradox? And can you make leader leadership decisions from that space? That your life is both extremely profound and also a tiny piece of the history of the universe? And can you send a ripple effect out from that space? Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. It is a, it's a, Challenging and extremely important thing you just said there. Recognizing that your life and your existence is extremely profound, yet at the same time, tiny in, in the grand scheme, scheme of things. So 
can you still send a ripple out? I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, thanks for having me. So everything is Create Magic at Work. My website is createmagicatwork.net. My favorite place to connect personally is on LinkedIn. So if you're interested in SQ or doing the SQ experience or just talking to me and asking me questions, I'm under Amy Lynn Durham on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Amy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to createmagicatwork.net and check out the SQ experience and everything else Amy is working on and find her on LinkedIn as well. List both of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. <laughs>